Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Colonels. I hope everybody had a um, a good little break there for a while. Did anybody see the new Mortal Kombat? Let me hear some opinions real quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good Jared, thoughts. Jared, good thought. Uh, yep. I, I felt the same about Jared. I love it. Okay, so moving on. Um, notice how we did not have an opening. We just jump, jumped straight into that intro. Yeah. Thinking of cold opens are getting pretty hard. And, you know, I think personally our French ads speak for themselves. I have, no fucking clue. I have no clue what they're saying, but they're speaking for themselves. There right. are openings now. Right. I'm still looking for that setting in, in um, not Audacity, in Sounder, if anybody can point me in the right direction for ads. And I, I would take British English over. I would take Spanish ones. Yeah. I mean, at least one of us would know what they're saying then. <laughs> I mean, not me, but Spotify hook us up, man. Anyways, so um, this one is a new sort of episode for us. We'll get into that in a second. But um, are there any updates that we need to talk about? Um, yes. So I wanted to talk about the Patreon that we kind of sort of teased. Um, it is coming. It is on its way. I actually was working on that right before we started recording. Yeah. So it'll get here eventually. It's getting there. Just like the TikTok, eventually, yeah. one of these days. We're just going to keep giving y'all updates. For the next year. No, nah, I think I'm pretty sure I can get it done within like a week or so. You'll figure it out. So, um, um Patreon. What uh, is the movie, our new our new thing? What skins. You just said a movie. You Sorry, did not tell uh, you them said like, doing. what is a movie? And I thought you were going to continue and I was going to. So, we are doing this new thing where we're recommending a movie to watch for the week. Um. It's going to be a streamable movie, so you can watch it, and we can kind of chat about it. Maybe we'll make like a Facebook group or something that we can all get in on and uh, chat with each other on. So the movie that we are recommending for this week is... It's called Skins. It's a Spanish film. Okay. And honestly, honestly, it's about deformed, disfigured characters who have to find a way to deal with society shunning their differences, and it's a darkly comic social drama you read that know. from netflix didn't you it is it's it's a netflix um but you read that description from right, netflix. right right yeah. that, that was gonna be my thing is just telling them the movie and then reading the that description is the exact description what's the rating on netflix is there a rating now or no uh no i didn't see a rating for it um it's just one of those thumbs up thumbs down still oh like, yeah if they recommend it to you but anyways i think somebody has a butthole mouth in there so god you stole it right from what i was gonna say i have to make it interesting you know 
Yeah, so um, that's actually what interested me into watching the movie is somebody had a butthole for a face. He saw a butthole and he was like, you know what? And I watched... Well, we were supposed to cover this movie, which we actually still might, but this lady had pink pubes. Okay, so um, weird fucking Netflix shit. If that doesn't interest you already, pink pubes. What else? Is there anything else? Um, Naruto updates, maybe? Um, I've... I we're not finished. I just met Orochimaru and I'm going to say not a personal fan. I think Sakura is useless. Um Kakashi is my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. that's it so far. So every Naruto like basic thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. So you're becoming a fan, an Absolutely. official fan. Absolutely. So um if you would like to introduce them to our like intro to our newest segment um, i'm sure some of y'all saw the title called roses and we're gonna tell you what that's all about right so there's a song called will by joiner lucas and will smith and it's basically about giving people their props credit or roses while they're currently alive and able to be celebrated and appreciated and you know just for them to feel like okay wow like i actually got it while i'm still working um, because of this song, I was inspired to add yet another segment to the podcast that clearly you read uh, called Break Out the Roses, or just Roses for short. Um, it celebrates the writers, directors, actors, and the people behind it all. It's our way of saying thank you for all that you do before the last curtain closes, unfortunately. Um, so we're also planning on covering icons that have passed away or maybe even in a crossover with a brief moment in popcorn history. Um, over the years, Mr. Quint- Quint- bleh, Quentin Tarantino, sorry, Quentin, um, has both written and directed nine films. And in this episode, we plan to go over his entire career, his movies, um, which movies we've seen, and even a rough ranking. Lastly, we want to cover some of the things that you may not know about him. So buckle up into your couch and break out that popcorn because this is Roses, Quentin Tarantino edition. So, Connie, would you like to start it off? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to go straight into kind of like, we're not going to do a biography because I personally don't care about when he was born, where he was born, anything like that. We're going to go into his career straight off. Um, So I'm going to tell you about how he climbed his way to the top of the ladder to make himself a legend in film history. So picture this, January 1992, Reservoir Dogs premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, which if you didn't know, is the largest independent film festival in the U.S., the film took off and Quentin Tarantino became an immediate staple in the industry. A fun fact, I don't know if you knew this, Reservoir Dogs was funded in part by a cameo he did. Well, not really a cameo. He just like, you know, didn't even star. He was just in an episode of Golden Girls where he played an Elvis impersonator. And although he was only initially paid $600, he ended up raking in about 3000 from all the reruns because it was on, you know, one of those top 10 Golden Girls episodes type things, you know? <laughs> That's actually really cool. I like yeah, I actually just, did not know that about Quentin Tarantino. It's such an odd fact that like if it wasn't for Golden Girls, we might not have gotten Reservoir Dogs. The, hey, hey, hey. I fucking love the Golden Girls. Yeah. I just want that to be known. And they save lives, okay? Honestly, honestly. Especially Betty White. Honestly. So originally Reservoir Dogs had a budget of $30,000 and Quentin thought he would film it with a few friends on a 16 millimeter camera in black and white. 
But his friend had friends who knew people, and a guy named Harvey Keitel heard about his movie and was on board, bringing in his own money to actually help finance the film. And of course, having a big name like Harvey Keitel attach himself to the film and become a producer, it was so much easier for them to score uh, more funding for this movie. Okay. So Quentin Tarantino also wrote the screenplay for True Romance and Natural Born Killers, but he later disowned the Latin film. The Latin? Ladder. Oh, I thought you said he said the Ladder film. I'm not good at pronouncing words, I realized. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, dude. So um, he disowned it, actually. I didn't put this in the notes, but he disowned it because it was told in his stereotypical, you know, nonlinear format, which we'll get into later. And when they were redoing the script, they rearranged it. So it was no longer one of his formats. And he was like, and they took out some scenes and, you know, all this and that. And he was basically like, no, you either do it the way that I wanted to and put my name on it or you do it your way and I don't want a part of it. And they're like, no, we're going to put your name on it because Quentin Tarantino. And so he actually assaulted um, a guy over it. Really? Yeah. He had to pay him a fine. Like, I think it was like $400. So he just swung off on man's. Yeah. In a restaurant. That's what, see? Yeah. Quentin Tarantino is a G. Love him or hate him, Quentin Tarantino is a G. So he was also an uncredited screenwriter for both Crimson Tide and The Rock. Not Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but a movie called The Rock. So needless to say, he has written a lot of movies and he's directed a lot of movies. But he also has his own movies that he's working on as his own project, correct? Yeah. So... There, he does have this whole plan for his career that he's only going to, you know, both write and direct 10 movies. And we are almost to that finish line. And we'll touch on that later. If he continues to follow his... His retirement, retirement plan. plan. Okay. Which, as far as we know, he is. Like, until... I hope not. Well, uh, um, I think it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He'd still confirm that that was his plan. Really? Yeah, he was like, yeah, no, like I'm that's still my plan. I want to stop. I want to finish on a high note and leave them wanting more. You that's know, sad. instead of like going the Adam Sandler route where you just keep fucking doing it and you Fuck know. It. I'm cool with Adam Sandler <laughs> just pumping shit out. We already know about that. We spoke on that on the last one. True. So, after the huge success of Reservoir Dogs, Quentin was offered projects like Speed, Men in Black, but instead started to work on the script for Pulp Fiction. So premiering at the, I think it's pronounced Can. Can Can's film. Can. I Canes? I should have looked it up. It's not Can's. I think it's Can's. I don't know. It's French. Because two ends. It's Can-ness. French, so you don't pronounce the last word or the last letter. Canet. Can. I don't know. Oh. The French Film Festival in 1994. It also received um, seven nominations at the Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay, which. He and I think his co-writer won. I can't remember. His name was like Albert or Alberto. Anyways, there was some issues over that. They fought over that. Did but he swing on him too? I don't think so. Shockingly. Mm. So overall, the film <laughs> earned $108 million at the box office, becoming the first independent film to do so. Clap it up for my man. Clap, 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 clap. Yes. I, I would clap, but last time we tried that, it sounded like something else. Yeah, it was not fun. So uh, in 1995, he wrote and directed one of the four stories featured in Four Rooms alongside three other rising independent filmmakers. And after the release, Quentin and one of the other filmmakers collaborated on From Dusk Till Dawn, where he wrote and starred in the movie alongside other big name actors. He then moved on to write and direct Jackie Brown, which was another success, but did come with a lot of criticism from Spike Lee, which we'll get into later. 
i.e. Spike Lee's a hater. I don't think necessarily think he's a hater. I think he had a very valid point from where he was coming from. I'm just trying to get rich. I feel you. So <laughs> after Jackie Brown, Quentin took a short break from filmmaking to star on Broadway for a little while. How do you think that went? Wait, so Quentin started performing on Broadway? Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he was um, on Broadway. Yeah, he actually, Marissa Tomai, Tomai. I don't know who that is. Yes, you do. Not off the top of the head. Spider-Man. Homecoming. Spider-Man Far From Home. His aunt? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's her. What about her? He starred with her on Broadway. Oh, nice. Dope. Yeah. I didn't know, just- I didn't know where you were going with that. My brain was <laughs> yeah, not no. receiving. Basically, okay, his Broadway stint did terrible. It sold out because it was Quentin Tarantino. But it was still bad. Oh, yeah. He got a lot of criticism for, okay. the, for it. So okay. um, during this time, he worked on this World War II script, and it was this huge, sprawling script that had no real end game. Mm-hmm. Like, he just created this whole world that really didn't lead up to anything. But he's going to come back to that that script later. So after some bad feedback from his Broadway stint, he decided to start working on Kill Bill. He and Uma Thurman had formed this idea during the filming of Pulp Fiction, but it wasn't until six years later that he promised Uma that he would finish writing the film for her birthday. So I think I had told you about it. Yes. When they were filming Pulp Fiction, they had like met up in a bar Mm -hmm. and they had devised this whole, you know, movie Mm -hmm. about this bride seeking revenge, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. martial arts. And then it was kind of like put on the back burner for a while. And then they saw each other that I'm sorry, I'm not going to interrupt you. Well, he saw they saw each other at a film, um, no, an after party, like an Oscars after party, I think. Mm-hmm. And she was like, hey, whatever happened to that movie? And he was like, you know what? I'll do it just for you. You're my muse. We work so well together. And he, did and he it. promised it for her, for her birthday, right? Yeah, but it okay. actually took like a whole year. So that's crazy because it's going to get into like um, something to speak about later on. But um, it reminded me of that scene in Pulp Fiction where she's talking to Vincent Vega and she's like, yeah, you know, like I want, like I was in this movie. It was a pilot, or sorry, I was in a show. It was a pilot that we filmed about, um, five deadly assassin women. And it's kind of like playing yeah. off of the same thing. Cause they were at a restaurant together instead of a bar. Yeah. It, it and I, this probably, like, I think he does everything like for a reason. Intentionally. You know I mean? He lays these like seeds regardless if it's like trying to blend his two movies or like his movie universe together or if he's just trying to blend like the real world events or the things that have happened into his movies i think that's pretty cool i mean i think it's cool how he includes like those little tidbits in there Mm -hmm. like just little easter eggs so in late 2003 kill bill was finally released although it was split into two parts due to the four-hour runtime the movie actually ran over budget and over schedule due to Tarantino's refusal to recast after Uma Thurman became pregnant. That's a real friend. Honestly. And I think she was pregnant with Maya at that time. Makes sense. Maya Hawk, Yeah. Cause I she think... was married to Ethan Hawk during that time. Yeah. So, um, it was a success overall becoming his highest grossing film at the time. He then dabbled in TV starring in a show called alias writing and directing two episodes of CSI crime scene investigation, which that, the title of that show is just, it's like saying ATM machine. What? Like CSI stands for crime scene investigation. Okay. So CSI crime scene investigation, it's literally, it, it doesn't make sense. Right. 
Uh, actually like pin number okay 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 like having like, a password name password okay i get well, it Well, it's like a pin number right you would say hey what's your pin not what's your pin number because what is it like personal identification number right right, right. Like, i'm picking up what you're yeah okay okay so um he also helped out in the movie sin city he got i think like a co-write or not a co-writing but like a a special director credit yeah, special director credit. You knew the words coming out of my mouth. Um, for Sin City because he directed, I think, like one scene. Damn. Yeah, but they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll give him a little credit. We're going to say it's Quentin Tarantino so we can boost this. Um... Well, we're actually going to get back to that because I did not put it in my notes, but he does that for a lot of films. Really? Yeah. So after that, he joined forces with a fellow filmmaker for the project known as Grindhouse. It's the filmmaker that he joined forces with from Dust Till Dawn, I believe. Don't right. quote me on that. I'm not sure. Can't remember now. Um, but anyways, Grindhouse, it's two B-rated horror flicks shown as a double feature. So he had his own movie and the other filmmaker had his own movie. Mm-hmm. And Quentin Tarantino's was called Death Proof. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of like those movies that would like come out at like the Dollar Theater? Not the Dollar Theater. Um, You'd find them in the Big Lots bargain Big section. Big Lots. That's what I was trying to think for about. For a dollar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's it. In the really thin DVD cases. Yeah. Yes. Um, so he find- used to like hate those things, dude. We had I like know. so many. We still have them. We still do. Yeah. Granted, I really love Death Proof. Tornado and Twister. Um, Twister? Don't fuck around. Twister was scary as shit. Still haven't seen it. Really? Yeah. Okay, we'll get back to that. Right. I used to have it on VHS. We have it on DVD now. <laughs> so he finally returned to his stalled World War II script after this, and in 2009, his next hit film called Inglorious Bastards released. Such a good movie. It went on to surpass Kill Bill for the spot of his highest grossing film. Shockingly, mm-hmm. literally every one of his movies just does better than the next. Mm-hmm. Um, Really quick, I, I want to interrupt. There's a really good YouTube video called um, Actors, I think it's 12 Actors Who Turned Down Quentin Tarantino. Um. And Django Unchained and Glorious Bastards, like a lot of these movies were just like constant turndowns because of scheduling and because things would run over budget, things would run over time, things would run over with scheduling, and a lot of people just could not make that time for Quentin Tarantino. And he's just that good of a director that he was able to cast people that made it what it was. And so you didn't watch Inglorious Bastards, right? I've seen bits and pieces, but I really have not seen all of it. Okay, but do you remember the Bear Jew? Nope. Okay, so there's this guy called the Bear Jew. And that sounds like a a racial term. Well, it's Inglorious Bastards about Nazis and I know, Holocaust but still. and trying to flip it around. Okay. <laughs> I know. Anyway, I just don't like it. There's a guy called the Bear Jew and he has like or he casted a Bostonian, but he wanted to originally cast Adam Sandler to play that role. What the fuck? Yeah. That's so, <laughs> so weird. So you could have seen Adam Sandler in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Odd. But he couldn't do it. Odd. I don't know if I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you ready to... Yeah. Okay. Good. Perfect. Uh, it's just Adam Sandler we were talking I, about him such a, like, I, I love that though. Like mm-hmm. it's just... Can you imagine? I can't. Because it's... <laughs> Inglorious Bastards was more of like a comedy it was like a comedic alternative history. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't like a nitty gritty, like fucking action type movie mm-hmm. though. So, all right. So in 2011 production began on Django Unchained and it was released in 2012, a movie that Tarantino described as a Southern stating that he wanted to, and I quote, do movies that deal with America's horrible past with slavery and stuff, but do them like spaghetti Westerns. 
not like the big issue movies, end quote. <laughs> Do you know what spaghetti westerns are? Yeah. I love them. You know because that Bob's Burgers episode. No. No? No. Have you ever begin, uh, not begin, have you ever been to um, like a restaurant that like kind of specializes in that? No. Really? Yeah. I've been to one. So like I used to watch a little bit of like Matlock. Which is kind of like mm-hmm. westerny, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like spaghetti western, but like still. Murder she wrote. Um, I watched Tombstone. I watched um Clint Eastwood movies, uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, stuff like that. So I'm like a little it. cultured. I'm a little cultured here and there. Yeah, no, there is a um a little spicy tamale right here. There's a restaurant I went to. I vividly remember it for some reason i went with my mom and my aunt and my cousin it's literally called the spaghetti western i believe that and the reason i remember is because i went right after i got my nose pierced for the first time oh okay so that was kind of sort of not that recent recently no it was a couple of years ago <laughs> right but i mean yeah. like old enough for you to get a nose piercing but not young enough for it to be like yeah i want to say like 2016 20, 2017 okay. 2017 actually yeah. is when i went i think but yeah Okay. Weird. We still have to get your dad on this podcast. I just remember that. We do. We have okay. to think of the next the next episode. We'll have something to do with him. Okay. Fair enough. Maybe we'll watch Ghost Ship. Fair Who enough. knows? Okay. So this movie once again surpassed all of Tarantino's previous films. It become his highest grossing movie yet. And who could have imagined? So in November 2013, he began working on another Western. This time it was The Hateful Eight. The script for the film was leaked in January 2014, causing Tarantino to consider dropping the film and possibly publishing it as a novel instead. In the end, he rewrote the script twice with a different ending, and in December 2015, The Hateful Eight premiered and snacked multiple Golden Globe nominations. And I don't know if you remember, The Hateful Eight did inspire... um, Did inspire... Adam Sandler's movie? Yes. The Ridiculous Six? Yes. Which... Mm -hmm. Stupid stupid fucking mob. Yes! terrible movie didn't even give it a chance i think it wasn't it part of adam zandler's netflix deal mm-hmm. yeah that he had to produce so many movies mm-hmm. the only good thing to come out of that was like murder mystery and uncut gems no i think he had like one more i don't know i'm not i'm not that in- involved in it i know the cobbler was really bad i know that the ridiculous six was like praised for not being a good movie for being like a really really like his one of his worst movies and that's what people praised it for. But it did have Jacob Lautner in it. Taylor Lautner? Whatever. Jacob Black. <laughs> and that that's just what took me out. Yeah, it was just such a like such a weird fucking movie. But the Hateful Eight, like that movie, is a cinematic fucking masterpiece and oh nobody can God. tell me otherwise. It is, it is filmed so beautifully. Like, okay, there's a lot of shit that's quentin tarantino about this movie but it's filmed so wonderfully the snow scenes literally just the like landscaping of the yeah. snow is just so fucking beautiful yeah and when we get to like our little rough ranked we're gonna talk about it yeah so in july of 2019 once upon a time in hollywood hollywood premiered we could have had my dad on for that one because we watched that with we you watched dad. it with him yeah so it received a seven minute standing ovation at the can cons canes canes film festival canes toast film festival you know i'm still really fucking mad at canes i'm boycotting <laughs> them look i went to canes 
totally <laughs> off topic. I went to Kane's the other night because Rico's really craving it. Tell me why. They have uh, four items on their menu. Coleslaw, chicken, fries, and toast. Right? And the sandwich. And the sandwich, it's the same thing. As, it's the I mean, same I guess. Thing. I'm just saying there's a sandwich too. Four things on their menu, right? How the fuck y'all going to run out of toast? They're like... And I'm not hating the employees because... And they, I'm not trying to say like... I'm not trying to make like a... What is it? I'm not trying... I guess I'm not trying to be funny about it. But like their bread and butter is their toast honestly like the toast is it i could get chicken from anywhere granted the cane sauce is pretty dope i guess five items on the menu but i i'm just how do you run out of bread literally everybody asks for i would rather them run out of their coleslaw or fries honestly like i would you can have my fries you can have those crinkle cut fries i really don't care for them there's no special seasoning or anything how the fuck are you gonna run out of bread so anyways this is this is gonna sound so fucking terrible but anyways i got the food there and like they didn't even give me a discount or anything because they were out of bread they were just like yeah it was like a shit ton of fries that they just again gave, are unsalted please canes work on that they just gave you a shit ton of fries they didn't give me anything extra they gave you extra fries because i said no coleslaw not because <laughs> no there was coleslaw, no to- extra fries sounds great not because there was no toast they were just like yeah it's fine it's just like you're paying out the ass for this chicken with no toast right anyways so, well really quick one, I want them to fix their French fry situation. And two, Canes, if you're listening, y'all need to fucking get on this right now. Get I'm going to be the first cups. one. No, I'm going to be the first one to say this. And if y'all do it, I want to cut waffles. Ooh, honestly. Waffles and milkshakes. Add those two things to your menu. I think milkshakes would fuck it up for them. No. Because then you'd have people asking for ice cream cones. Do they serve ice cream cones? No, they would not do ice cream cones Anyways, at all. They would just do like no. Oreo milkshakes. That's it. Uh, okay. Back to what I was going to. Anyways, this could sound really bad. But me and Rico drove to a whole different Canes. And we live in Houston. So the and other chocolate. one was like. Sorry. Chocolate shake. The other Canes was only like eight minutes away. Because, you know, we live in Houston. But we drove to a whole different one to order. How many pieces of toast did we get? Six. Six pieces of toast. Just for the inconvenience. So yeah. Um, it got a seven minute standing ovation at Cannes Film Festival. So it also went on to win Golden Globes for Best Screenplay, Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. And lastly, if he is following his projected retirement plan, which, which is... Which spoke about. Ten films. Mm-hmm. We have one remaining before he retires. And that'll be a very sad moment. And so it's rumored that he's wanting to explore the horror genre. Something that he really hasn't done before too much. Death Proof. That wasn't horror. Death Proof was horror. It really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Have, you seen, have you seen Death Proof? No. but Exactly. He is, I know the theme of it though. He's no, killing. The, a he's horror, a stuntman who kills people. But it's people not a horror his, movie. He's killing teenagers in his Death Proof car. Yeah, but it's not a horror movie. It's like... Of an action movie more so there's no horror element to it i guess they're not tracking down a killer or anything it's you're literally just watching it which also there was a lot of criticism because they kind of when we get to the whole uma thurman thing we'll talk about it okay but really quick sylvester stallone turned down that role good do you know why why because he said um he was like so quentin brought this up to me and you know it's about a guy who kills these teenage girls in his car 
Um, and that's just not a role I can do because I have two daughters. Sir, leave me alone. And I think it went to, to Mickey Rourke, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, he's been wanting to explore the horror genre a little bit more, a little bit better. I'm thinking more so along the lines of something that isn't just violence and action packed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also not rumor- violent and action packed, but he wants to do horror. You could do horror without violence and action packed. How do you psychological do- horrors? It's the conjuring, violent. conjuring, violent. Conjuring really wasn't violent. They were throwing bitches out the window. That is much different. That is so much more different. I don't even know if that made sense. That is so much different. So, so much, much more, more different. different. Yeah, than his <laughs> typical extreme violence i mean and yeah his, it's 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 a different tarantino violence is different than like typical violence so that's what i'm saying he wants to explore that genre he also is and they've there's been rumors of him directing an r-rated star trek movie which i really don't see happening especially with the chris pine timeline if they're going to continue with that or not i don't want to see that and then it's also rumored rumored that there's going to be a third Kill Bill movie. It's also also rumored that he might do a Marvel movie. No. Yes. Oh, so he had worked. He had the, the Django Zorro. No, 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 that's not no, no, no. He had the intentions on working on a Silver Surfer movie, and that oh, got taken out. That was like early '90s. Yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like he's loved Stan Lee yes, from like the beginning. But, so like, why not explore that? He's been. There have been many, many talks of him, like with Silver Surfer, with um, a live action Iron, Iron Man. Man, Luke Cage. Yeah, but I really, I don't see that in the cards for him in in today's Marvel timeline. Maybe when it was first starting I mean, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he can still do like Defenders and shit like that, like sideline characters. Yeah, but do you think that would be his new like mutants? His, do you think that would because I feel like that would open up a new franchise for him to really just take on it as his baby. That'd be dope. But I don't think he would do that for his 10th film. Do you? Oh, not for his 10th film. I just think that like he might say, okay, I my 10 in my regular genre. Let me go do something else. You know well, I mean? Or like direct it at least, you know? I know. He said he was going to put down the director's chair. Oh. He said he's like given his all like that would be all he he would be giving to movies. Damn. Like that would be the end of his directing career. I didn't understand career. how deep that was then. Yeah, that, was, that would crazy. be the end of his directing career because it, that's all he wants to give he wants to end on a high note hmm. i That's mean maybe not his writing career because he is planning on i think releasing a novel for once upon a time in hollywood mm-hmm. that dives a little bit deeper into the backgrounds of the characters mm-hmm. which once upon a time in hollywood is once again going back to that movie is such a good movie because it once again is an alternative take on history and i know a lot of people criticize that mm-hmm. because they're it's about the manson family murders and mm-hmm. um sharon tate and everything like that and a lot of people were like, no, you're, you know, you're messing with history. You're not doing it justice. That's that one actually, happened. like, as opposed to, like, Django and as opposed to, um, yeah. what was the other one that you did? Um, um, can't think of it off the top of my head. Fuck if I knew. Oh, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Thank yes. you. <laughs> um, that movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it literally gained him a lot history. of criticism. Yes. Because of the Sharon Tate stuff. Well, because you have to think, Inglorious Bastards really just... It didn't, it, it linked with World War II, but we've already been so far away from World War II that right. it really didn't, nobody. I mean, we're, we're far away from fucking Manson too, but I mean. But we're closer to Manson than anything else. I mean, yeah, but that, that really like hurt a lot of people because they were in love with Sharon Tate. They're mm-hmm. in love with like her story. It was very fucked up and tragic what happened to her. Is Charles Manson still alive? Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think that's why Wait, a lot of people. Still alive? I'm pretty sure he is. I think he is. But what I think if he listens to this. <gasps> no, I think that is a lot of the a lot of the reason he got a lot of criticism because it. Some people believe that he was glorifying him. right but in his alternative but even then like you barely saw him in the fucking movie yeah and in in his alternative um movie it was that charles manson was foiled right that he didn't get to murder right. murder sharon tate mm-hmm. sh- yeah sharon or shannon sharon sharon tate yeah and so that's my thing is like it keeps you so captive that that movie captivated the fuck out of the audience because you know what the history <laughs> exactly. is exactly Exactly. I had to like do a little bit of research before just mm-hmm. to find out who she was. Because oh, honestly, really? like, yeah, yeah, I had no clue. Huh. Um, yeah, no, it, it's such a huge thing in history. Mm-hmm. Like, because she was murdered while she was pregnant. Right. I mean, I didn't really do too Wasn't much. Wasn't it Roman Blonsky's wife? I think, like, kind of. Yeah, his like wife. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, what I was trying to get at it was like, I didn't do too much research into Charles Manson and all that shit. I knew he would like kill or. Didn't yeah, really kill cult leader. He didn't really kill anybody. He had people kill for him. Right. So, um, whenever I did the research on it, like, you go into the movie and it's like, okay, cool. You get, like, this one timeline, but then you start realizing what's going on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. like, in the different timeline. Mm-hmm. I mean, not timeline, but, like, what's it's, going on in the it's movie. It's like watching an alternate universe happen. Right. That like, runs parallel. With, and- we're going to speak about it. But anyway, um... It holds you through the whole movie because you know what what happened. You know what you're expecting, right? And then you're wondering what the fuck is going to happen because and then it's a Tarantino movie. <laughs> the thing I really liked about it is that it wasn't about the Manson family murders. No, but it, it did play into it, it. And, and it had him at Adam Driver. Like you said, we're gonna come back to that. Like that was that kind Adam of, Driver? I don't think so. Who are you thinking of? The guy that was with the. To oh, I don't, I have no fucking clue. I, don't I, don't right. I think it's Adam Driver. He looks like him. But we're gonna come back to those non-linear plots later on. But it's mm-hmm. just like, it's just such a big thing that you know that it's kind of centered around this one event. That's a huge event. But he's telling the plot of two random fucking people in Hollywood that just so happen to apparently live next to Sharon Tate. It's not about Sharon Tate. It's not about no. Manson family murders. You'll see bits and pieces, but it's not about them primarily so anyways um like i said he has a lot of rumor projects in the works as well as the novel about you know um once upon a time in hollywood and then we're maybe hoping that there's going to be a movie that connects all of the tarantino verse but of course we're gonna have to wait and see because as we all know you know i am so excited for that every if if it happens if it happens Really quick, I'd like to interrupt you again to say no. Um, no. Adam Driver was not in the movie. <laughs> I didn't think so. I did not think so. And also, Charles Manson is dead. So, for whoever was screaming in their car that he died. R.I.P. Yeah, no, not R.I.P. No, no. Rest, rest in, in hell. Piss. Yeah. R.I.H. Not rest in hell, no, rest in hell. Rest in piss. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but he died in 2017. Maybe we can say B.I.H., B-I-H. Burnin Hill. That's Bosnia. Um, heard so whatever. I can't, I I don't know the. What B- the fuck, yeah. Rico? B-I-H is something B- for. No, B-I-H is Bosnia. I know that because I have a Bosnian friend and he got me a hat that says, I love B-I-H. Oh my and God. I, I said, I love bitch. 
Oh my so, god. No. <laughs> I love Bosnia something. Oh, this is something. not a good episode. Yeah. You uh, fucked up there. <laughs> we did buck up Aaron. You speak in French cuz We said Charles Manson was alive. Okay, that's not as bad as I love or burn in hell. That's Bosnia. <laughs> you just said I love bitch. I thought this anyways, was when I was a kid. Anyways, um, yeah, we'll see see what Tarantino's final film will be. You know, who knows? Maybe it's that Django Zorro crossover. Yo, I'm okay with that because they want Antonio Banderas to come back. That's I I love Antonio he, Banderas. He's too old. That's what I'm saying. He's old as fuck. But then again, then again, that's what happened with his mentor. He was old as fuck. Passed it on. So Django would be the next Zorro. Look, all I'm saying is that when Zorro took place, the Zorro that I watched is not in the same same century as yeah, uh, as Django. Yeah, I was going through like the um, Spaniards and Mexican Wars and shit like that, Did that which is the same time as slavery is because they had slaves in Mexico. That's why all look, those people were working for Don Ramon. Look. I'm going to be... You do not want to fuck with me on this movie, baby. No, 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 no. I I've been said, watching no, this shit since me, I was like, let war. Let me speak. I'm going to be super transparent with you. My mind has no concept of time. Yeah, I know. You have the, like, memory of a fucking Remember? goldfish. No, no, it's not even the memory. It's not even the memory. You know, you've seen um, The Good Place, right? Mm-hmm. The Jeremy Bear mm-hmm. Me. That is no, my brain. I don't, know. I don't know who Jeremy Bear Me is, but... It's not a person. It's a timeline. Oh. It's how time works. It's just fucking loops. Anyway, anyways, so we're going to be talking about the style of movies. Um, so Mr. Tarantino, for those of you who do not know, um, has a very unique sense of writing and directing. His bread and butter, for lack of a better term, are nonlinear movies. And it's basically a movie that doesn't give you the straight and narrow. It gives you a different story. Like it gives you several different storylines. That make you think that they have nothing to do with each other, but eventually they intersect and it ties the whole movie together. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very distracted by the dog who's barking outside. I hate that dog. It's our guest. Our guest on our podcast this episode. <sighs> it's just so annoying. Anyway, so he also... Just keep Every going. time I talk, he starts barking. <laughs> so he also specializes in dark humor, amplified violence, extended dialogue... And makes tons of references to pop culture. Like I said, he did the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and stuff like that. So he usually has an ensemble cast, meaning that it's a lot of A-list stars who share equal time on screen. So again, Once Upon a Time, Django Unchained, stuff like that. So there's not one primary star and then... Right. So like you would have Brad Pitt, you would have Leonardo DiCaprio, you would have... Margot um, Robbie. My babe. Um... Everybody got to Everybody. share their own yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And like even in like me, Pulp Fiction. You let me get away with that and I appreciate it. Yeah, I got you. Um, but even in Pulp Fiction, you had people all sharing John screen Travolta, time. Samuel Bruce Jackson. Willis, Samuel Jackson. Yeah. So everybody really gets their own time. Even Uma Thurman got her own time in there. Right. And the, the actor who plays Bill, who I don't remember the he name of. He got his time. He got his time. Exactly. So everybody gets equal share time on screen. Um, he's also a fan of neo-noir films, which are kind of grittier, darker movies that seem to blur the lines between good and bad. Um, and it also features themes of like paranoia and revenge, kind of like movies like Old Boy, which is something I really want to cover. Um, what else? Sin City, mm-hmm. stuff like that. 
And it's not always in black and white either. It, it's just no, 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 no. they also play with framing a lot, and right. they use a lot of light and a lot of shadows in there. Mm-hmm. It's think of noir but modern. Right, like a modern noir. Yeah, you're right. So, my favorite, which we've been talking about very loosely, um, is basically something that I only like it when Quentin Tarantino does it because I really haven't seen too many people play with it and do it justice the way that he does. And it's the alt history or alternate history. And that is when you have a event, a life event that has happened, i.e. Inglorious Bastards or the Shannon, Sharon, Shannon, Sharon, Sharon Tate. Somebody's um, fucking yelling at us. They're like, how fucking dare you? I know. <laughs> but, um, you know, what happened with her, the Manson murders or Django Unchained with slaves and how, you know, they really didn't escape the way that they did and like do all the sorts of things that they did long story short you have this thing like the holocaust and what quentin tarantino will do is he will make a movie about like the underdog character or like just someone off the wall who goes in and stops the events from happening i.e alternate history alternate lines to history it's kind of like fan fiction that's right i'm just gonna say quentin tarantino is writing fan fiction about historical events events. yeah (laughs) that's it he's just like no 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 no. my oc my original character came in and saved the day right my original characters yeah honestly (laughs) fucking going in killing hitler and i'm gonna find like quentin tarantino's fanfiction.net profile just what if we made a a Quentin Tarantino fan fiction. What if there is Quentin Tarantino fan fiction? There is Quentin Tarantino fan about fiction. About his movies? I don't no, just about him. Oh, probably. That's disgusting to think about, though. Oh, no, no, no. I meant, like, him jumping in, like, time machines and, like, fixing history. Oh, probably. <laughs> My God. What is wrong with you? I'm sorry. My brain immediately <laughs> clearly, went. <laughs> clearly, we know what you look at when it comes to <laughs> fan fiction. Oh, my God. I mean, no, there's probably, there probably are, like, Wattpad stories about him jumping in a time machine. What the machine. fuck is Wattpad? It's another fan fiction website. Rico, educate you yourself. You are a fucking nerd. <laughs> educate you yourself. You are a fucking nerd. Okay. Okay, so um, moving on, Quentin so, Tarantino. Oh, you oh went, you, the, me, me, you, rock paper scissors. No, it's me first, and then you. you remember, about we it? talked about this. Okay. All right. So, although he is a fantastic, fantastic filmmaker, writer, all that fun stuff, um, he does have a lot of controversies, mm-hmm. and we kind of touched on them earlier. But um, for the record, we tried to condense this down to as much as we possibly can. So. Feel free to dive deep into these and form your own opinions. We're just kind of, kind of, we're kind of gonna brush over them a little bit, you know. So we do encourage you to look this up. Google is your best friend. Mm-hmm. Do all that fun stuff. So Quentin Tarantino, to start off, has been heavily criticized for the violence in his movies and how people believe violence in movies and video games affects the audiences to become violent as well. And he is very much against that. He actually hates drugs and he actually hates violence, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and he believes that, no, like you make your own decisions. Um, the violence in my movies doesn't encourage people to be violent. I'm just having fun telling a story. So we've said it. He said it. Stop interviewing him and asking him these questions. Honestly, he's gonna get the same, same. Oh no 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 no! You haven't oh, seen yeah. the videos, have you? No, where he like gets upset. He gets fucking. Yeah, livid. he's like, stop fucking asking me this shit. 
No, he Granted. just tells people, like, I refuse to answer your question. Yeah. It's so yeah. great. Go That's ahead and... That's me saying I'm fucking tired of answering right. this shit. So, so go ahead and uh, YouTube that whenever y'all get a chance. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino violence <laughs> interview. Another thing that we're going to be getting into is his racial slurs. Uh, mainly, we're going to be talking about his two controversial movies, Jackie Brown and Django Unchained. Um, but he also does have some with Inglorious Bastards that we're just going to skip over for time's sake and research sake. Thank you, past me. You're welcome, future me. Anyway, so Quentin Tarantino loves history, and historically, people tend to use the N-word And we hard. just want to like preface this entire conversation. You don't have to tell people I'm black. No, I'm just saying you there's a reason that I'm not reading this. Right, because you're white, and I'm not. Exactly. This is a man of color, mm. people. <laughs> I have to tell you about that client you I had today. It. No, I have to tell you about the client I had today that was drunk that said me and you were going to make beautiful mixed babies. Okay. She was so drunk. Thank she you to her. She literally came in with a glass of like Chardonnay in her hand. She drove to the salon. Okay. Let's just okay. not tell people that you let people drive drunk. What the fuck am I going to do? Okay. Anyway, moving on. So, like I said, Quentin Tarantino loves history, and historically, people tend to use the N-word, and I have used it twice now in this podcast, and <laughs> I'm trying not to use it in this podcast. I do use it in everyday life, I'm not going to lie to you, but we're going to skip over that and talk about Quentin Tarantino. We're talking about his mistakes, not mine. So, <laughs> in a lot of his movies, they use the hard R. Um, they use the GGA and even the Rose. And if you haven't pieced it together, then you're just not going to get it. But anyway, that tends to make a lot of people very unhappy with him, seeing how he's a white man using the N-word in a lot of his movies. And even though he's not the one saying it, he is technically writing it and having people say it. Right. So it falls back on him. And I think... Didn't Leonardo DiCaprio get a lot of like flack too for saying it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which in Django Unchained. But again, it's a it's a historical movie. It's not like I mean, of course, it's a historic like fiction, his, fiction, fictional, fictional. Yeah, nonfiction is real. Fiction no, 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 is no, fake. But, but what's like the historic um, like history, like fictional history? That's what it is. Yeah. There we go. Um, sure. <laughs> I'm sure there's a library, like a subgroup for that. Right. And and a movie subgroup, but... Historical fiction. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, yeah, he got in trouble for that. Leonardo got in trouble for that. But again, I like mean, we I'm said, it's... I mean, I'm in trouble, just in a lot of hot water, you know? Yeah. Because nobody's like, hey, here's like a fine for saying... It's just like... No, of course. But like people were upset. People that, you know, of color of... or people that yeah. are white that just didn't want to hear somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio say something like that. But again... It's a movie about slavery. And I think... At that time, it was modern to say grows or hard R. And I think that everybody can have their own personal feeling. Like, who am I to tell people, no, like, you should be fine with people saying it because it was a piece of history or whatever. Like, I... I think everybody has their own personal feelings about it. I'm not going to tell somebody how they should feel and how they shouldn't feel and how they should move Mm. on or anything like that. Mm. That's not my place. However you feel about it is however you feel about it. We're just showing you the controversy surrounding it. And then Rico is giving you his piece on it. Right. So now two things we're going to be covering is one being a fun fact and one being his response to Spike Lee, a.k.a. his biggest critic on the racial slur subject. 
So the fun fact is that Jackie Brown used the hard ER. That's a really fun fact. What? I said that's a really fun fact. How is that a fun fact? What? What do you? You said it's a fun fact. Like that's not something that's like, oh, woohoo! Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so uh, fun. It's a fun <laughs> fact, meaning like here's a fact that I'm giving. Anyway, <laughs> I here's a fact that is not fun. There we go. Jackie Brown used the hard R thirty eight times. Um, hateful eight, um, along with other slurs, used it about forty six to forty eight times. Django Unchained used it about like 108 to 110 times, which made a lot of people very uncomfortable because he broke his record for the N-word I in a movie, a singular movie. I don't think that's a record you want to break. Yeah. I wonder what the, like, not world record is, but like, I wonder, like. Nope. I think he. Nope. I think he. Mm-mm. He has it. Mm-mm. Moving past that. Moving but. Past. But in a lighter note, in TV history, um, I don't know her name. I'm pretty sure you're gonna know her name, but the lady that plays Deborah Morgan, who also played in White Chicks, you don't remember her name? I don't remember her name. Okay. Well, anyway, she holds the record for the most f bombs dropped in a series, if I'm not mistaken, or at least she did for a while. I believe it because she said "fuck" like literally at least times, at least twenty times per episode. Right. I think it was like 98, like was her total or something like that. Or no, it was bigger than 98. I have no idea. I don't remember. I don't know. It had a nine and it had an eight. I remember it was almost like at the hundredth mark. But anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Quentin Tarantino. So we're going to continue with the controversies. Um, His response to the slurs was basically just because he's white doesn't mean that he can't get into the minds of his characters because he is writing these characters. He's directing it. He's creating the world and the environment that was involved in the movie right so it doesn't change the way that people spoke in those times basically he wants it to be authentic as to how it really would have came out of the mouths of the people that he writes into his movies which honestly i can understand you know i i've always wanted to be an actor i've always wanted to write my own scripts and i mean you have to get into the characters of a white person or a black person or Asian person, like you do the research, you make it come across right. You want to do justice no longer, to that role. Right, exactly. And then it's no longer an issue. You know what I mean? Like like Django Unchained. That is that is totally relevant to use the hard R or grows because that's what they would call the, the slaves. It wasn't like black people, people of color. Like they weren't they treating say, these people like human beings. Yeah, they didn't say these African American people. Right, exactly. Nobody was trying to be PC at that time. It was all about white supremacy, you know, hierarchy of colors and stuff like that. So I have no, you know, hard feelings towards yeah. that one. You know what I mean? And then like Jackie Brown, that one was a little racist. But I that think- was because of you know, again, just stereotypes and people of color at that time and the shit that they had to go through. You know what I mean? I yeah, think I'm sorry, that, I keep cutting off. Oh, no, you're totally fine. I was going to say, I think that it would be unacceptable in a sense of like a movie taking place today where it's being used as a slur. Like 
you can say other things that is not that. Mm-hmm. And I, I get you want to say it for dramatic effect and everything like that. But it's just it was a time piece. Like mm-hmm. you said, there's nobody. They weren't saying, yeah, these black people that I owned. No. Right. No, they weren't like, oh, these people of color that I own to do slave work. No, yeah. it, was, it was just exactly what it was. Like, you know, derogatory terms to and people that they treated like animals. They didn't give a fuck. I think he did it justice and it might have been an excessive use of mm-hmm. it. But I think the general use of it was warranted. I don't think Quentin Tarantino is a racist or a bigot or whatever the case may be. I do think that he does a lot of it for shock value. Yeah. To upset people and bring more light to and his get stuff. Them talking. Exactly. It's kind of like when people say, if you want to get attention, upset black Twitter. And that's exactly what Quentin Tarantino was going for. Yeah. He was going for that shock value. Exactly. Of, of I want people talking about this so they can watch my movie so they can see the, you know, maybe issues or, mm-hmm. you know, bring light to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, like, you really going to tell me you want to watch a movie where Samuel L. Jackson doesn't call somebody a motherfucker? Honestly, yeah. Or, or an N-word? Mm-hmm. Come on. Be real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically, like I said, he wanted to be authentic and you know another person who understood that was again samuel jackson who spoke up for quentin tarantino and the use of the n-word he even went so far as to diss spike lee a little bit he was like spike lee's old he a bitch quentin tarantino's in (laughs) yeah it's fucking great i love fucking samuel jackson anyway again there's a lot that we could cover about the controversies about quentin tarantino and if you're interested please just go ahead and give it a read um but lastly we're going to be covering the uma thurman car crash yeah, and so there's slash Harvey Weinstein. There's a lot to unpack there, so I'm not going to dive super, super, super deep into it because we're already almost at an hour and we still have a lot to go through. So, you know, judging by where they're at now and how their friendship has kind of happened again, I guess the right word is to say. Um, there's a really good not- Huh? That was not structured, right? No, it definitely wasn't. It's <laughs> look, it's past my bedtime. It's like eleven thirty at night. So there's a really, really good deadline article. Um, there's a lot of articles actually. Uma Thurman did a lot of interviews about it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Quentin Tarantino did an interview with Deadline and it was a good article. And anyways, if you want to read it, you absolutely can. But basically Uma Thurman has to do this scene in Kill Bill number two, right? Yeah, it's number two. Um she has to do this scene where she's speeding down the road and the idea gets brought up that she's initially hesitant to do it. And Quentin Tarantino decides, you know what? I'm going to drive down this road. I'm going to see how it is. When he drives down the road, he's like, hey, this is just a straight road. I know you're kind of like a shaky driver. You know, you're not really well versed in driving, but it's going to be an easy drive. You're literally just going to coast like 35, 40 miles an hour down the road. You're not going to be speeding. It's going to look like you're speeding because your hair's going to be blowing in the wind. But it's not going to be a hard drive. And it does look a lot more, a lot faster, I guess, because of the foliage that they had to zoom through at that speed. Yeah, exactly. And granted, I know probably nowadays they would just have an actress sitting in a car Mm -hmm. and like just fucking put a fan in front of her and Mm -hmm. green screen some shit. Like they probably would have done it a lot easier. But this is Quentin Tarantino. He is very into his movies right so he gets in it sees a straight road he's like cool it's safe it's fine well 
things change. It gets a little later in the evening and they're like, hey, lighting would be better if instead of her traveling like from east to west, we do west to east or vice versa. I really don't know. Mm -hmm. So they decide to do it the opposite way. And he's like, all right, you know what? It's fine. It's still a straight road. It's perfectly fine. You know, I'm not going to test drive it again because I know it's good. So he assures Uma, he's like, hey, this is safe. And because they've had that bond for such a long time from Pulp Fiction through the Harvey Weinstein thing where he, you know, forced him to apologize for Uma for forced him to apologize to Uma for what he did. And banning him from set. Yeah, like there was a lot of trust there. So he claims that his biggest regret as a director is telling her it was safe before actually test driving it again. He reversed the direction and he didn't test drive it. And that is what he regrets the most is because. I don't think he he necessarily reversed the. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was a couple of people's decisions mm, to be like, right. hey, like, let's do it this way. Because whenever you go the opposite way, there's a slight S curve that you don't realize going one way. And so when Uma drove it, it was a very top heavy car. It's a sandy road. The car basically hydroplaned and she crashed into a tree because she couldn't really maneuver the, ro- the road that well because there was a little S curve. Anyways, the whole kind of controversy happened because whenever she crashed she banged up her knees bad she got a concussion she has neck injuries all that and so she wanted to see the footage from the car crash and miramax refused to show her unless she basically signed away her right to sue over the busted knees and neck injury they're like yeah we'll show it to you but you have to sign this and promise us that you're not going to speak on it and you're not going to sue over your injuries and she said no i'm gonna keep my right to sue you and i want you to remember who was running Miramax this time? Harvey Weinstein. The punk ass bitch. Filth of the earth himself, Harvey Weinstein. And he had already assaulted her and many others by that point. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he protecting his assets seemed like, no, like, I'm not going to fucking show it to you. Get rid of it. Suppress it. Whatever. See a bitch. And a lot of that fell back. I'd be, I'd be so ready to run this fade with him. I'm sorry. A lot of that fell back on quentin tarantino as well and it is partially his fault for what happened and how it went down right but 15 years later whenever that interview came out the me too movement started uma said i want to see that footage mm-hmm. like that footage been kept for me for so long i want to see it and so quentin tarantino he helped find it they dug through storage sheds of like 15 years sorry my voice cracked Uh, like 15 years worth of storage just to find that clip and they found it they gave it to uma and uma released it on her own terms so everybody could see what happened to her and now we can see that their relationship has gotten better and there's even talks of a kill bill three happening so i think that there's a lot of controversy and he was in the wrong for that Mm -hmm. and a lot of it was on harvey weinstein as well like of course he's fucking shit stained that stains hollywood's history right but i think that they have kind of reconciled and are good with each other now Mm -hmm. as far as i can tell i really don't know these people so who knows (laughs) in all honesty true um so really quick something that was interesting about kill bill 3 which you just spoke of was that when they asked him about it he said that he didn't want to put it out too early because he wanted actors to quote unquote, grow up naturally instead of like editing them and stuff like that. Meaning, meaning for all my Kill Bill fans, do y'all remember when she kills, I believe her name, I believe 
the serpent name of her was Black Mamba. I'm not sure. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to misquote it. Mm-hmm. But not to be confused. It was um, Vivica Fox. That was her name. Yes. Um, and I'm sorry. Mm, I remember now. Beatrix was Black Mamba. Not being racist. I'm sorry. Sir. The ball. She was Copperhead. Vivica Fox was Copperhead. Mm-hmm. Um. So sorry, still want to apologize. Anyway, um, but she kills Copperhead in front of her daughter. Yes. And she tells the daughter, hey, if you want to come after me, if you want to seek revenge for your mom, I totally understand. I have a daughter too. I get it. And I think that's what Kill Bill 3 is going to be about. Like, that's always well, been my theory. They said that... I, I don't know who's they, somebody, rumors, mm-hmm. I don't know, had said that they, if they were to do a Kill Bill 3, they wanted to do it after um, Beatrix has had time with her daughter, a period of peace. Right. So, question, do you think Beatrix's daughter could be an assassin? Could come into it? I think, personally, they're going to kill her daughter. Really? Yeah. What? Why? Um, because that would get her back in. It's kind of like John Wick, you know what but I mean? But this is going to be the last one. This isn't going to be something right. that like... So I think they'd try to like do like a female John Wick. Because hmm. she was the original John Wick, let's be real. Yeah, absolutely. But like to you, make you her be able to... fucked up my wedding to... and buried me alive. Right. You kill, you try to kill me on my wedding mm-hmm. day. And so I think, yeah, like... What else would get her back into killing everybody or ready to kill everybody? Well, really Kidnap quick. Kidnap or kill her daughter. Really quick. Do you think it's going to be like a Taken? Maybe. Really quick. I did want to come back. I forgot to mention the death proof controversy mm-hmm. because like you said, he kills girls in his car. Mm-hmm. There was people who insinuated that he was kind of poking at mm-hmm. Uma Thurman's car crash mm-hmm. in death proof because there's a blonde girl who hits her head on a windshield and I think I think she dies. I can't remember. Never seen it. Well, it, so I can't confirm that with you. <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny it. Um, no, but a lot of people kind of not a lot, but like a good amount of people kind of thought he was poking at Uma Thurman's car crash. Mm-hmm. I really don't think that was the thing. I think it was just like a coincidence. I don't think he like was inspired by her car crash. But did Death Proof come out after Kill Bill, or did that come out before Kill Bill? Death Proof came out afterwards. Really. Yeah, like I'm 90, 92% sure. Hold on one second. I will look it up. Um, yeah, it came out in 2007, which was my, that's that's why I watched it. And Kill it. Bill came out 2003, right? Yeah, okay. but that's why I watched Death Proof. It came out in 2007. And you love everything that came out in 2007. 2007 was a golden year, dude. It was not. Anyway, um, so we're going to be talking about things that you probably did not know about Quentin Tarantino. Um, so Connie, I'll let you go first and then I'll read the second one because I really actually like the second one. Yeah, for sure. So Quentin Tarantino spoke up about pre- police brutality. He police spoke- brutality. Police brutality. Um, he spoke on interviews about it and even marched with Rise Up October, which mm-hmm. you're going to have to elaborate on a little bit because you wrote that note. Um, they spoke out about police brutality and marched. I didn't do a lot of research for Rise. Oh my god! <laughs> Moving I'm on. sorry. I'm not even gonna lie to y'all. I'm not gonna. Pre- I'm not even gonna try to like pretend like I did research on it. I don't want to speak on something that was actually a movement and be wrong. So I'm gonna own up to it. I didn't do the research for it, but I did 
see that Quentin Tarantino uh, marched with Rise of October because of him seeing everything that was going on in the world with police brutality and specifically the shooting of unarmed black men. So really, I mean, he was with the movement. He was down for the people. Like I said, I mean, I honestly believe that Quentin Tarantino really loves black people and loves the black culture and stuff like that. And so he's with us. I mean, honestly, honestly, um, something else that I learned on that same note was that they used some of his like audio to make it seem like he was against all cops and he, he was, was not down for that. He was no, no, no. They tried to make him seem like he was a cab. So Quentin Tarantino is not a cab. I, I don't know his personal affiliations with the police, but I'm pretty sure he believes that there are good police. Mr. And bad Tarantino, police. we're going to chat. You have, <laughs> I like how I'm mixed and you're white, but you're a cab and I'm not. Look, I've had a lot of personal experience for those who know me. <laughs> when I used to be a cab, you're like, no, there's good police and bad police. I'm, and now it's like, to, fuck them, fuck them all. To, um, this Nina on my hip is the only police I need. To quote um, a poet, fuck the police. We come in straight from the underground. What comes after that? I actually don't know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm going to need you to Google those lyrics and uh, find out what comes out right after that. All I know is, you know what? I'm not going to say it. Yep. I'm not exactly. Say shit. Exactly. I'm trying to get sponsored up in this bitch. <laughs> um, so Quentin Tarantino has been to jail. That's the second one. Um, he went to jail once for stealing a book at a library. That sounds like some shit I would do. I know. I've I know. actually I stolen dead books. At you. I have two. Granted, granted, I was a minor, so it was not my fault. My I mom never took me to library. Re- no, my mom just never took me to return them. Bruh, I'm like the scum of the earth. Like, I'm pretty sure nerds at school fucking hated me. I would steal books like what The kind? Black Tattoo. I've never read it. Um, Jeff Gord, Jeff Gordon, Jeff Gordon. I don't know. James um, Gordon. No. From Carpool Karaoke. <laughs> no. Um, the guy that wrote some of the Mob. Um, we did not have similar tastes. No, we do not. We mm. do not. But I stole those books. Um, a lot of Goosebumps books. Ah, uh, real steal taste. Those. Yeah, yeah. I know people hated me at school for. Granted, why did they keep letting you borrow books, Rico? They didn't. The teacher would take us into the library, and I didn't want to fucking. Nah, nah, dog. Climb forest. No, no, no. This is like before no. Forest. This is like Wonderland. Climb forest had them security things oh yeah inside of the book said beep hell Remember yeah you walk out of the book yeah i know i know you i was used a to be a library aide. yeah i know i know you let me fucking take shit all the time no i didn't yeah you did what did i let you take you let me like take cardboard papers you let me take like oh fuck yeah like paper that. for like random shit or like print things no i you was... would let me print things without paying the 10 cents big dog i was a library my senior year uh, no yeah well, you'd still let me print things for 10 cents. I remember that. No. Yeah. You must have got me confused with one of your other girlfriends back in high school. Maybe. Because I was, a, you were graduated by the time I was a library aide. Well, I know somebody did not make me pay 10 cents yes. for printing shit out. And I had a whole book report. And I was printing that bitch out all day. I never printed anything for in high library? school. Really? No. Really? I did, I did abuse the fuck out of my library privileges, though. I still remember what the library looks like. They fucked up now. I believe that. But no, like I used to dog. That was the best school period I ever had. 
Was it your librarian? Yeah, because I... We're going off topic. Sorry. We are completely off topic. Anyway. Sorry. sorry. Anyway. Quentin, look, we're going to talk about the ACAP thing, but I understand the library book thing, okay? I get it. Okay. I, I Moving had to on. wave my library Moving face so I on. It's fine. Moving on. They did mine too. I'm not going to lie. Like twice in high school and middle school. But Good anyway, luck. anyway, you're getting me off topic again. Um, and a couple of times he had unpaid tickets that racked up to about $7,000. And then it kept going higher because he kept doing it. But he went to jail about like three times over parking tickets. Jesus. Yeah. Imagine just being a fucking famous director and being like, you know what? No, he wasn't that famous yet. Oh, okay. It was like before he got super famous. I was going to say, imagine. Because just... he even said, it, it's easier whenever you're broke and you can do that time. Yeah. He would just go to jail, fucking sit there and come out. I get to eat for free for three days. Pretty much. Over parking tickets and fucking stealing books and shit. Anyway, next one's yours. All right. So, this one's actually a really fun fact. Um, Quentin Tarantino is an honorary Viking. I want to be an honorary Viking so bad. He I was, need one of these TikTok Vikings to help me out. He was made an honorary Viking at the Viking Village by... Ethor Gorgensson. Okay, who is an entrepreneur, Gorgensson. actor, and producer. Mm-hmm. Um, so his Icelandic name is Quentin Connison. And do you want to know why? Because of you. Because his mom's name is Connie. No, I know. Yeah, so yeah. what would your name be? Rico... Rico... Berthason. No, it's his mom's. It doesn't have to be your mom. It could be like anything like he'd be your dad odin's son thor that is true that is true but i think it is rico rico bertha son that sounds so much cooler or rico betty son rico betty son no that's very white rico bettison betty son bettison (laughs) (laughs) like it's so fucking white no rico Um, jaime son i was thinking of like ragnar what was it what was ragnar's name Ragnar Ragnarsson. Oh my god. And Uthred of Bebenber. So mine Leave would be Rico of Houston. Rico? I was about to say our, our street name. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't give us away for free. Oh god damn. Okay, so yeah. Uh, his mom's name is Connie, which is just really fucking cool reading it because nobody's fucking named Connie. Aren't you like Swedish? Aren't you, like, I'm Norwegian. Swedish? Norway. I'm Norwegian. Norway had Danes. So you, you, you'd be a Dane. You can be a Viking, mm-hmm. right? I have Danes, no fucking idea. Danes and Vikings went against each other. I so mean, yeah, you no. can be you can be a Viking. I I can be a Viking. Oh, you can. Yeah, there okay. were black Vikings. Okay, Rico from Barbados. He never said my grandfather was from Barbados. So why did you tell me that? I don't know, but no, we're not from Barbados. Well, no, no, no. Uh-huh. Wait, uh-huh. no, you called me Haitian. Sorry, I am from Barbados. Yeah. My bad. See, My you, bad. Okay, backtrack, backtrack. Let me apologize up. again. Nothing against Haitians. Nothing against Haitians. Uh, all I want to say is that I am from Barbados. I'm not from Barbados. I have family from Barbados. Haitians scare me. I'm not Haitian. Connie always calls me Haitian. She tricked me this time and called me Barbados, where, where I actually do have... Barbadian? Barbadian? barbarian <gasps> i'm a barbarian and a viking anyway oh, dear God. <laughs> but no um i do have family in barbados from from barbados Look, right. i'm just gonna get you a 23 and me and we're just gonna fucking... you got me with the checkmate and almost made me stumble you got me i'm just gonna get you a 23 and me and we're just gonna call it a day for real what if it says i'm not from barbados and i am haitian 
That would be so fucking funny. That I'm gonna start calling everybody jit. That would make my I, I'm just year. Gonna, I'm just gonna turn into Kodak Black. That's it. I would get you one of those like Haitian necklaces. Anyway, and Kodak Black also talks about voodoo, so it is what it is. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> that went so off the wall. So another thing that you may not know about Quentin Tarantino, we're still talking about this, guys. Sorry. Um. So another thing is Disney versus Quentin Tarantino. So Tarantino's film, The Hateful Eight, was supposed to be shown in a Los Angeles cinema you you wrote cinerama baby did you know you wrote cinerama i didn't write that you wrote that oh well one of us wrote cinerama and i'm gonna blame you uh, so are you sure it's not what it's actually called because it looks like you copied and pasted it i did copy los angeles okay. cinema dome it might have been cinerama dome okay Rico. it's los wow. angeles who knows anyway so <laughs> it was supposed to be shot in 70 millimeter for two weeks um, after the seventh installment of Star Wars. So if you don't know, they have, what, nine episodes now of Star Wars? Yes, nine. So it was before the Rey saga. It was right after the Luke saga. And he wanted to show his hate. Well, that's when he had the time of the screening for the Hateful Eight. That's when it was supposed to show up. And instead, Disney was like, yeah, we got to bump that, big dog. We want to show... Uh, Force Awakens. Sorry, I almost said Rise of Skywalker, which is a god-awful film. Anyway, <laughs> we want to show The Force Awakens. So the cinema was like, nah, like we have to show what was scheduled. And Disney's like, okay, cool. Um, So if you do that, right, if you don't play The Force Awakens after 7, then we're just going to go ahead and pull all of our star wars from your film or from your theater and that's going to run you a lot of money so you choose do you want this one tarantino movie that you can push somewhere else or do you want star wars and so needless to say quentin tarantino was pretty pissed off about that i mean yeah and of course you know disney bought that that's the thing disney bought miramax in 1993 i think really yeah so that's the thing they were fucking over their own like produced films Mm -hmm. granted i don't know if miramax was attached to tarantino to i know um the hateful eight no i don't think miramax was no well because he had used miramax for everything Mm. for kill bill that was miramax Mm -hmm. because that was harvey weinstein Mm -hmm. but then all the harvey weinstein things happened and he detached himself from harvey weinstein so it also said that Harvey Weinstein stopped being involved with the company, I think, in 2005. So I don't know if he still had a working relationship with Miramax. I cannot confirm or deny any of this. Anyways, no, it, it's fucking stupid. Granting Quentin Tarantino movies are not on Disney+. Plus. I don't think that they would. Mm, I think Uma what Thurman. What Quentin Tarantino movie I would be? I think Uma Thurman would be a Disney princess. Moving on. Uma Thurman will be a Disney princess when Deadpool's a D- Disney princess. He is. You would think. Anyway, it's your your turn anyway. Oh, no, you can read this next one because this is all you. That's very I, personal to you. you. It You're really welcome. was. It really was. I really appreciate it. So Quentin Tarantino has his moments in interviews that you can find on YouTube, like I said earlier. But my personal favorite <laughs> is when he had the interview with Jan Wall. Do me a favor. Take 
or whatever time the the video shows you on YouTube, take that time out of your day and watch the whole thing. It goes from like he he ha ha we're friends to no fuck you Karen. You want to keep playing games with me? Fuck you. It's it's a really good great time. I love it. Um Connie. So we've already talked about how he plans to retire after so we'll ten movies. One. Yep. Um all of his movies, the Tarantino verse, they're all tied into the same thing, like Marvel and Pixar, and you have to think of it kind of like um you know how Victorious and Sam and Cat are all in the same universe? Mm-hmm. Same thing. Quentin Tarantino hates product placement, so he's made his own like big apple cigarettes. Well, red apple cigarettes. Red apple, yeah. yeah, big kahuna burgers, stuff like that. He mm-hmm. has made all into his own thing. So they're featured in all of his different films. Mm-hmm. and it's Especially all, the Red Apple. Yeah, and it's all tied into the same universe because Vic Vega from Reservoir Dogs is Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction's brother. Mm-hmm. And then Mia's pilot episode for Fox Wars 5 is the plot of Kill Bill, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, Hickcock's... Is that how you pronounce his name? Hickcock's. Oh. From Inglorious Bastards and Hateful Eight are related. Django has a wanted poster, and one of the names was Crazy Coons. In Pulp Fiction, we meet a, gra- a guy played by Christopher Walken named Captain Coons. There's so many more like little Easter egg details. And Captain Coons was crazy as fuck too. Yeah, yeah. He tells a like child to put a ring up his butt. No, he put his father's watch up his butt. Oh yes, the watch. Yeah. Mm. Fucking mm. weird. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, it's just there's. It's such a big, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's the Quentin Tarantino Cinematic Universe. Right. Um, And honestly, I'm so enthralled in the entire universe. He said something about, like, there's a real universe and then there's, like, an alternate real universe or something like that. Um, Go look it up again, like, for time's sake for research sake i don't want to get things wrong work tomorrow's sake right i I just don't want to get things wrong especially with something as deep as quentin tarantino um who is somebody that i've grown to really enjoy a lot more just doing this research on him um but lastly we're going to be talking about how in almost all of his movies a character is either looking at themselves in the mirror having an upward shot from a trunk that they're looking into and lastly women's feet quentin tarantino has a big foot okay fetish. you can't say he has a big foot fetish nobody knows if he has a foot fetish he's never he flat out said catering to an audience with a foot fetish there we go why else did margot robbie take off i would her boots? suck on her fucking toes why would she take off her boots in, and the, middle of the, in the middle of a movie theater with her dirty ass feet with her dirty ass feet i don't know he's playing know. It, somebody's paying him big bucks yeah to show some up close toes. Tarantino, Tarantino, you know that I have that one phone call where you were drunk and you told me you loved fucking Teletubbies. Okay? Show me some fucking toes, man. You better put a foot in every single movie or I will leak to the world that you write Teletubby fan fiction. But really quick, I did want to mention, um, you were talking about uh, Red Apple cigarettes. Yes. People have, even though it's not produced or written or directed by Quentin Tarantino, people have used Red Apple cigarettes to pay homage to Quentin Tarantino. I wonder, do you think they have to pay royalties for that? I'm. I, don't I mean, know. he hates product placement. I don't know. So maybe he's like, "Hey, fuck it, use it." I don't well, care. he was dating an actress, and they used it in that movie because oh, it was yes. trying to show the correlation yes. between them two. But yeah, um, 
and i'm pretty sure they use it somewhere else i don't know and this is gonna be a long ass episode so let's wrap it up with like a very rough ranked mm-hmm. um do you want me to go first because uh we're not really gonna elaborate too much on why we ranked them here um we could just like kind of sort of just play it like one and one I've only seen three, so it's going to yeah, be like fine. that for a very that's short fine. time. Okay. <laughs> so my favorite movie. Okay. Is, go first? Yeah. Yeah. Is Hateful Eight. Why? We're not going to elaborate. We're already an hour. Oh, I thought, you said, I thought you said we were going to elaborate. Nope. My bad. When his, when his 10th and vital movie comes out, we'll rank it. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, my first one's going to be Pulp Fiction. All right. My second one is Pulp Fiction. My second one is a Kill Bill Trill. It's not a trilogy. I know it's not a trilogy. I'm just that excited for the third one. Okay. My third one is Death Proof. My third is Reservoir Dogs. What's your fourth? I I know you've only seen three. Yeah, I haven't (laughs) seen them. I'm just messing with you. Uh, My fourth is going to be Hateful Eight. It was awesome. Uh, Inglorious Bastards for five. Jackie Brown for six. And everything else I really have either only seen bits and pieces of or I just have not watched it. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. I did watch one. I You said there was nine films. I only wrote eight. My bad. Um, yeah, because you counted Once Kill upon Bill. A time, Once Upon a Time is the one that I forgot. Oh, dog. And I fucking love that movie. Okay, so I'm ranking um, it Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time, Pulp Fiction, Death Proof. Wait, Hateful Eight. Once Pulp, upon a time. Once upon a time. Pulp Fiction, Death Proof. Pulp Fiction. Wow, you put Pulp Fiction down there. It's just because uh, it's my brain is kind of rough. I'm doing Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill Trill, um, Reservoir Dogs, Once Upon a Time, and then Hateful Eight and Glorious Jackie Brown. All and right. And then Death Proof and Django. I really didn't see. So. Okay. Yeah. So we'll circle back to that whenever we get a chance um connie do you want to take us out um yes absolutely feel free to follow us on instagram and on facebook break out the popcorn so cold i forgot that i'm not wearing a t-shirt and i leaned back in my chair and it was very cold no it was the blanket fell um feel free to follow us on instagram and facebook break out the popcorn twitter is botp podcast and tiktok is break out the popcorn and feel free to email us at break out the popcorn at gmail.com we want to hear your reviews we want to hear your suggestions we want to hear it all just email us saying hi we will love it. Um, feel free to give us a five-star iTunes review with a little nice comment on there because it would make our year. Um, we're really, really, really trying to push for this thing to go somewhere. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, we're working really hard. We are literally almost pulling all-nighters mm-hmm. between our real jobs and this. Mm-hmm. Doing notes is not an easy task. I wish it was just as easy as sitting down and watching a movie and right. recording. Um, Be on the lookout for the Patreon. Be on the lookout for the Patreon. It is coming and we will update you when it comes. Um, But aside from that, is there anything else? You said that really fast and I'm very proud of you. So I'm going to go ahead and say, roll credits. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 